Hey, welcome back. It's that time of week once again for your innovation edge at the Disruptive AF podcast. We are so glad to have you back here, Dan, where we are talking to our friends. Well, Dan, I mean, you're always here because you're my co-host, but we're glad to have everybody else back listening with us this week. Dan, how's your week been? Things good? My week? Yeah, it's been busy. been doing a lot of writing and, you know, just disrupting generally. That's How about I mean, you. Well, yeah, uh, uh, dude, it's been insane. It's been good. I'm going to say it's been productive and not busy because busy means I've just been reactive instead of proactive. So it's and been like productive. That. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, making I'll, things say it's happen. Been that. I'll say it's been that. But hey, anyway, this week, listen, last week, over the last couple of weeks, we've had the chance to talk kind of big, big innovation, defense uh, innovation of what that looks like, the ecosystem that is involved. Not only did we have Tony Perez on. Um, but also Stacy last week talking public affairs. How do we get uh, just interacted and involved in innovation, find, kind of from a strategic level of where it started um, and how it's enacted now? But now this week we had the chance to talk just even airman base airman basic involvement of where you get started, and we're totally encouraged to be able to have Christian Breckbill. Breckbill, I always screwed up. Breckbill. <laughs> <laughs> you say it. You say it for me so I don't uh, get it wrong. Christian Breckbill. Oh, but so close. Christian works just fine. Oh, so close. So close. Christian Breckbill, who's the uh, uh, the innovation guy, Spark Cell guy uh, as well, um, who not only has just recently, I'd say recently in the last year, uh, gotten involved with this position inside itself. We met at uh, the AFWorks, what was it? The Spark Cell Workshop 101. One one workshop several weeks ago, I guess months ago at this point. But uh, as we're focusing and talking today just about the opportunity of what it is for airmen to be able to get involved with innovation, how you often get started from the ground up. I think, Christian, your story as you kind of dive into it, um, it's the story of many of us that, you know, we we had one focus area and then for whatever reason, we got bit by the innovation bug of, of maybe our frustrations or, or things that we wanted to see fixed. And then before you know it, we're headlong into it. So uh, Christian, dive into it, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you were the last couple of years and, and what got you into this innovation role. Yeah, so uh, I'm a C-17 pilot by trade. Uh, you know, that's what the uh, Air Force pays me to do. Uh, I got involved, I think, kind of loosely a couple of years ago. We started doing some stuff in my squadron, um, you know, just trying to solve problems that we had in the squadron. We had, uh, you know, awesome chain of command that supported that. Um, yeah. And then we started looking for ways, like, how do we, how do we learn more about this? How do we join the bigger ecosystem? Um, we worked on an app that we got, uh, onto the, uh, you know, approved through the government, uh, process that's on, uh, the iPads that a lot of the, uh, at least the mobility flyers have. Um, and then we started looking at us starting up a spark cell here. So I'd say about mid to late January, uh, we, and, uh, one of the Lieutenant colonels on base pitched to the three wing commanders here at Charleston. Uh, to start a spark cell and they were like yeah let's let's do it uh let's go and uh we just had great timing and that was right before the spark cell workshop uh, i think in march out at uh afworks vegas uh that you know kinsley jordan and a bunch of others tony perez were at and so we got really really lucky we got to go out to that uh talk to a bunch of spark cell folks get a ton of lessons learned from people uh, you know, and then the other mobility spark cell leads reached out and provided us a bunch of stuff. So 
Uh, it's really been awesome. This community does a great job of pulling people in. Like I kind of got started with this one little like, uh, let let me see if I can like get an app for this. Yeah, I'm gonna have to ask you to like really, you know, you know, back up and dig into that whole we just made an app thing because you can't just gloss <laughs> over that. Like, yeah, there's about, yeah, there's about four together. things. Yeah, there's about four things that are gonna take dissecting on what you just <laughs> oh, said. Yeah, we just so we threw together an app and then we, you know, <laughs> solved world hunger and like, <laughs> oh, getting oh, an app that over into, the yeah, into into <laughs> our work, our daily work. That's a that's a big accomplishment. I'd like you yeah. to dig into that. Sure. You, I mean, you guys make it sound like, like a big deal. And, you know, yeah, it was a bunch of work. But the thing that I really love about doing this, like, innovation space in the Airmen is, is the Airmen in it. And people do, like, amazing stuff like this all the time. Yeah. So, like, I, you know, yeah, I'll dig into it a little bit. But, like, know that I'm one of many. And I guess if I have, like, one message to people, it'd be, like, you can do it, too. Uh, and there's a great network out there to help you. Yeah. So. Uh, we have, uh, we call them EFBs, electronic flight bags. So there's iPads that are issued to most air crew. Uh, and about, know, about eight months ago now, I was coming up on my annual check ride. Uh, you know, it's this practical exam that lets me keep flying for another year. And part of that is a, what we call a closed book master question file test. And so you get, in my case, there's about two, a question bank of 250. You're given the question bank ahead of time. You can memorize it. Uh, and then you take a test of, you know, 30 to 50 of them, depending on your, you know, how senior you are and yeah. what different qualifications you have. Um, and I found that I was printing out page after page after page of them. And the answers were all at the back. So I was printing out these papers. I was then going through and highlighting what the correct answer was. Uh, and then I was printing out new ones to take like a practice test to see if I was any good at it. Um, and I just thought, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. Yeah. So I talked to some other people and they're like, yeah, you know, there, there's some websites out there, but uh, unfortunately they're kind of out of date. They don't have the latest questions on them. And we started talking to some people and we're like, yeah, you know, like an app for this would be great. So uh, myself and a couple airmen uh, decided to just build it. We were like, let's build it and see what happens. Uh, and then we'll do what we need to do to get it through the approval processes. So uh, we took about two weeks. It's a very simple app. We took about two weeks and coded it. Uh, and then we reached out and we asked our group commander here if he would, uh, our operations group commander, if he would support the request to get it included on the Air Mobility Command AMC's, uh, you know, uh, list of apps for the iPad. And he said yes. He forwarded that request. And then we worked with the AMC EFB office on what all the requirements were. Get it approved to be, uh, you know, validated as like a requirement for AMC. And then from there, yeah. it went off to software testing. Um, we kind of took the tact that uh, we weren't going to give people a reason to say no. So we started very simple. The app in its current state does not talk to the network at all. Uh, you know, we're, we're working on building out some, uh, you know, better features like that. But we went from... Uh, C-17 pilots and loadmasters. And over the past month, we have, or past 
few months, we have added in uh, C5s, C130Hs, C130Js, KC46s, and KC10s uh, and all of their crew positions. And the piece that's really cool is we haven't done all that work. Airmen throughout the Air Force have reached out and said, hey, we want to be a part of this. We want to add our airframe. Uh, and they've done the work. And then we put um, some processes in place to, you know, validate the stuff that gets in and some automated testing of our uh, software so that I can run. I run about 300 automated tests on it before I push it yeah. uh, out to the EFBs. Um, so so that, that was a re really cool thing to see. I'm really curious about something you mentioned there, which is, which is I like one thing I really am curious about is what you think enable like sh for sure people recognize this as a wasteful process before you right like we I've, in my experience mostly there's just this there's this attitude of yeah we all know that this is broken but this is the way that it is so i'm curious oh, yeah. what enabled you but then also if you could um that that problem solving process is really interesting to me the fact that you identified a a component that probably a lot of people would want to include in the solution being connected to network, right? But you eliminated that from the solution. Is that something that you learned somewhere? Or is that like, did you go through a process of, of kind of prioritizing what, what had to be involved? I'm curious about what your, what your method was there. Um, so to your second question, and then you might have to remind me your first one. Uh, sure. I don't, I, I didn't have like a formal process. We didn't, uh, you know, truly sit down and do like a design thinking process. I think, you know, we've been exposed to that and I've been exposed to that. So we incorporated a little bit in it. And, uh, you know, what we just initially were like, yeah, let's have it connect to everything would be awesome. Uh, and as we learned more about the different uh, approvals and the things that could become blockers for us, we start looking at it and we're like, what does it actually need to do? And like get network updates isn't something that it actually needed to do. These master question files maybe change once a year for each airframe, if even. Yeah. And so yeah, we Christian, can push If I can out. pause you right there just for a second, because Dan, I want to go back to something we said last week when we were talking about these issues, is that so many times when people are tackling problems, they 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 assume that a problem has to have, you know, X, Y, Z included into it. But I love what Christian, what you're saying is that when you actually got down to the nuts and bolts of what needed to no kidding be done, you started stripping away these just like th these added weights that weren't necessary, that didn't have to be there because when you actually got to the requirement, it didn't need to be connected to the network. And so many times, and, and this is the frustrating part, I think airmen have sometimes with the bureaucratic process is that when a lot of times when we try to develop something, it tries to be developed in this whole, this holistic, hey, it needs to be A through Z and it has to include all of these pieces. But what you did there, man, you cut through the bureaucracy by eliminating the dead weight that was only going to create issues and you were able to create a solution quickly. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, Not to cut you off, but I just want to make that point. That's huge. For sure. And that probably makes it more accessible to to like airman coders or people who don't do this full time, right? If you're building yeah. a minimum viable product, you don't have to be working 12 hours a day on it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's really the way that the, you know, we got that from the commercial sector. That's the way that we build software now is we find what is the core problem and we attack that piece. And in full disclosure, we're now going to add the network piece, but that's going to take a while. But it's, 
we already have the product out there so people get to use it. And that gave us that time to add in these other cool things like analytics to the questions and mm-hmm. MatchComs being able to remotely update and stuff while still being able to meet like our users' basic needs in the meantime. Yeah. Well, and I think, yeah, and uh, I, I think you pointed to something really important there about the whole MVP theory there, you know, like lean startup or design thinking for that matter, um, which is that the first solution is not, is not, it doesn't have to be, and it shouldn't be the final solution. It should be, it can be just something to, to like get you leverage to build that, yeah. you know, the following solutions. So you've, what you've done is you built something that now is going to be connected to the network where if you started with that goal, I don't think you'd be where you are right now. Uh, it, you know, so, so trying to come in with a full feature set actually enabled you to, to, uh, to make this thing happen. The Dude, first I question can, I, I can tell you, was, I can tell you, you yeah, would not be where you're at simply because I, I know of several projects who they, they are literally stuck yep. in this cycle of saying, well, you need to fix this. Well, you need to fix that. How long is that going to take? That's going to take six months. What are you talking about? Like we needed this two months ago. And then the generals yep. get frustrated and the leaders get frustrated and they, and somehow it becomes an issue that, well, this program or this application just wasn't that thought out. No, 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 that's not the case. It's just we tried to bone Rome in a day and, and wonder why it failed and we weren't able yeah. to do it. So go, go ahead. Yeah. Didn't, didn't mean to cut my, you. Yeah, so my first question, you mentioned being exposed to design thinking. And and my question for you is, what what was it that you think enabled you, that gave you that that thing that people before you hadn't had, which kind of gave you like the audacity or the gumption or the foolishness, whatever it is to, um, to actually tackle this problem. Because like I said, we all recognize problems around us all the time, but most of us are like, you know, the process I'd have to go through to get that solved is the juice isn't worth the squeeze. So I'm curious if you think like, uh, exposure to certain things or, a type of education or what it what it could be a personality thing. What do you think it was about you and the people who enabled you uh, that made that happen that we could maybe replicate for for other problem solvers in the future? Yeah, so I think I'd take that all the way back to my parents and growing up, it was they were like, you know, I'd ask like, oh, I want to do something like, well, how, how are you going to make it happen? Like that was the answer was like, you figure yeah. it out, you know? Um, yeah, obviously they, they didn't like not feed me or anything, but, uh, <laughs> they, yourself, you know, if, if I, if I wanted like, you know, a tree house or something, we didn't go out and buy a tree house. It was like, we're going to work through this. We're going to design it. We're going to figure out what we need. We're going to do it. Uh, and so a lot of that I think came from my parents, but I, I think that, for airmen that maybe didn't have that experience growing up, my advice is just do it. Like just start with something, find a small piece that you can do and just do it. And then, you know, figure out what comes next. Uh, I also did have a very supportive uh, chain of commands. My squadron commander's freaking amazing. Uh, You know, all the way up our chain has been, we've been uh, really lucky and they have in- encouraged stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, especially Paul Meadowspark, like we stand on the shoulders of giants here. Like the people at, whether it be Travis McCord, or sorry, Travis McGuire, you know, the Vance, uh, any of them, 
they have like blazed that path for us ahead of time. And so a lot of things that we go and do, we can say, hey, you know, Travis did this, McGuire did this, or yeah. I can call yeah. those folks and say, how did you do this? Uh, and stand on their shoulders, which is really amazing. But I think to your direct question of what made me do it versus not just like looking at it and moving on was, I was like, you know what? I think I can. And I had no idea what the process was going to be like at the time. And it took me a good nine months to figure it out. Um, But like everything in this space, now I know how to do it. And I'll tell you, just like the other spark cell leads told me how to start up a spark cell. Yeah. Yeah. I hear a lot. Go ahead. ahead, All right. Uh, I'm hearing a couple of really important things there. One of them is the importance of self-advocacy. And that's something that I've heard in, uh, in actually, uh, like parenting studies is children who are taught how to self-advocate are, are tend to be more successful. Like if you, if you teach them, if you tell them, Oh, here, you're having an issue with your teacher. Here's how you speak to your teacher to, to solve your problem or rather than solving their problem for them those children develop this this capability which is if i have if there's a value that i want to generate i don't need to ask permission to say this is important to me and and you know unfortunately you know not everybody has the that same sense of self-confidence you know some yeah. would some would call it arrogance uh, i've been called arrogant at a lot of times uh because when things are really important to me i I push, I advocate for myself. Uh, yeah. And and sometimes I have to check myself because I've definitely stepped over that line. But I think it's an important thing for us to to think about how we're how we're instilling that in in our the airmen that we're bringing up. Right. It's this sense of, um, you, you know, when is it appropriate to ask permission and when is it appropriate to go and say, uh, no, actually, this is really important to me. Like, I, I think that you should pay attention because this matters to to my experience. Like, you're, you know, uh, you don't want to waste my time because my yeah. time is valuable, right? Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Hey, we're gonna cut away to a break real quick, uh, and when we come back, we're gonna dive more into what Christian had just mentioned about the just get going, just get started, because there's so much to unpack with that. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into that just here in a second on the Disruptive AF Podcast. Stay with us. We'll be right back in just a second. Defense innovation is made possible by the power of community and collaboration, which is why AFWorks created a chat workspace, the Innovators Chat, where you can connect with other like-minded innovators. Join more than 400 defense entrepreneurs already on the platform to discuss topics like software development, policy innovation, funding resources, books, and media, and more. Find more at afworks.af.mil. Hey, welcome back to the Disruptive AF podcast. I'm here with Trigger Jordan and Yo. the amazing Christian Breckbuell, uh, who has been doing incredible things over at Palmetto Spark. Um, and we were talking about uh, the actually the last thing I heard you say was was drawing on a network and the importance of that, but but also that just do it attitude. So uh, if you could just dig into that a little bit, what like you you were you 
you you have this thing which is like i'm i'm i see a problem and this is important to me i'm just gonna go after it um and and we were kind of digging into where where you think that came from and how we could empower other airmen to to have that same attitude yeah so i think that there's a couple pieces there and i highlight the like core team i have at palmetto spark it's a Mass Sergeant Select, a Staff Sergeant, and a Senior Airman uh, from Maintenance and EOD. And they are like my inspiration in this stuff because I can't keep up with them. Like what a great problem to have, but I can't keep up with them. Like I let them go and occasionally rope people back in uh, and provide a little guidance. And, but they just go. And so I think what we can do to help foster that mentality in other people is reward it and show it and show other airmen, Hey, this guy, he didn't ask me, he just did. And, you know, yeah, you stay, you know, stay ethical, stay within the bounds of the law, but just did. And I'm now recognizing him, not just for what he did, but the way he went about it. Um, or we have a captain in my squadron, Kelsey D's, who took it on upon herself uh, to completely reinvigorate how we welcome new members into the 16th Airlift Squadron. And it's amazing now. You come in and you feel like you're part of this family on day one, like before you even get here. I mean, just to highlight how far it's gone, we've been doing virtual trivia during this COVID period, and we have members that are in their pipeline have orders to our squadron haven't even shown up and are joining in she just did that and our commander celebrated her for that the other day she goes not only has kelsey done this amazing stuff but she did it without me micromanaging which i think is a a great way to inspire that in other people and then the other piece is when somebody comes to you and asks you something is you know maybe just turn it around like you actually need me for that yeah. or can you just do it uh, so i and once we yeah good yeah no that's that's fascinating i like this this whole concept of staying inside the lines i think is something that that concerns a lot of people um and i like i tend to push push that same message which is that like hey you know like we all know where the lines are and people are afraid oh no airmen don't know where the lines are that's why we can't like we can't let them run free because they're just going to cross all these boundaries. My my stance on it is that so long as you are uh, setting that tone and what you're referring to right there with that with that like trivia thing and getting people involved and making them feel like a member of the community already is setting that tone for what our values are because so long as you're constantly pushing that message, people will know where the bounds are. It, and if they don't, then you're not you're not communicating it regularly or broadly enough so that you know like one of the things that helped me with my with the biggest innovation that had the biggest effect on my life was a policy issue that kind of saved my career and the whole reason that it got addressed was because our wing commander kept repeating to his uh, squadron commanders stop doing stupid stuff to airmen that phrase just it was like that's my value and if you stay within if you if you follow that value you're doing the right thing and even though it was we were dealing with a policy issue, it inspired a whole lot of people to be like, oh, wait, no, that's that's one of our values. We can keep we can keep pushing on this, which to me, this is like the power of core values is is setting those guardrails. Yeah, I completely agree. I forget who uh, who said this, 
uh, one of our leaders likes to say, uh, you know, break the process, not the law. Um, And, you know, but then, you know, to your point about policy stuff, most of the regs in the Air Force have a little thing in parentheses next to them that tells you what tier it can be waived at. And so, you know, what I have seen work really well on that is know what the rules are, know who the waiver authority is when you need a waiver, but also a lot of stuff doesn't require a waiver. A lot of stuff we can just do without breaking a regulation, certainly without breaking the law. And if just as you're saying, we stay true to our values, it's pretty hard to steer wrong when you're going towards, you know, noble and, uh, you know, good values. Yeah, yeah, there's no, absolutely. there's no doubt about it, man. It's, it's like when you, when you think about not just empowering the airmen to be able to get in this mindset of just getting it done. There's a um, another podcast uh, I do is called Legacy, and I've interviewed this last several weeks has been interviewing several different business owners and people who've who've really just dove into industry where it's totally changed their life. I mean, they own their business now. They're they're successful. They're doing great things. And in each of those cases, they were doing jobs or they were in a career which does not. I mean, one guy was an HVAC dude, <laughs> an HVAC dude, and now he owns several barbershops and most most successful barbershop here in, in Midwest America. And he started off doing something that just like wasn't at all anything that he was doing. But the mindset that he had when he really came down to it was saying, dude, I just I just had to do it. I just had to start telling people, hey, I'm going to barber school and I'm going to open a shop. He said, I had no way of doing it. Like I didn't know how I was going to do it. But when you start the conversation and you wrap your mind around saying, I'm going to do this, this is the direction we need to go. Like we have to fix this problem. Honestly, man, like having the mentality is the majority of the battle of saying we can do this, we can push through it because we all know regardless what the innovation is, there's going to be frustrations. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be policy. There's going to be people who don't agree. There's going to be people say you're going to be thrown. Dude, I'm not going to lie. If I, if I had a dollar every time that somebody in the, somebody told me you're going to be thrown in jail for this. Like I'd be, I'd probably have $10, I guess, but (laughs) I've been told several times. It's like, Hey man, like we've got to find a way to do it. And that's just that, that killer instinct, that mentality of saying we can do it. We've got to get moving. We've got to get started. We can't just sit here. And I think, you know, Dan, going back to a point that you made earlier of, of, you know, there's a lot of people with this mindset. I think for years and years and years, people stood around the water cooler, stood around the squadron bar and said, Oh man, that sucks. We need to fix it. But then it never went beyond that. And yeah. you're getting a new wave of people. Maybe it's if it's a mentality that commanders have imparted, whether it's a mentality of no kidding out of necessity, well, like we have to fix the broken system or we have to fix whatever it is. But you're starting to get people who look at these um, situations or projects or, or, or frustrations they have and say, you know what? Like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds to me like... Like, like there's this new sense of ownership, which yeah. is a kind of audacity, right? Like it's not us versus the authority anymore, right? It's I'm going to own how I spend my time. And that means I'm going to spend my time better uh, every day. So, you know, because I don't want my time wasted, right? Yeah. I, I want to produce yeah. value. Yeah, there's a, a great uh, like trick if you're like a shop leader, flight commander, some section chief, whatever, and you want to like start building this and that I learned from uh, one of my NCOs at the Academy. Uh, and he said, you're not allowed to complain until you submit the form that's listed on the front of every regulation to change the regulation. Yeah. Because once you have submit that form, 
It's just if it gets approved or denied, you're allowed to complain about it as much as you want. You can't complain about it until you take the time to fill out the form to get it changed. Yeah. Um, and we actually ended up, I think my uh, you know, squadron of cadets had probably 30 or 40 reg changes that came from that. Um, you wow. know, and I think that is another piece that just like instilled that in me in my development. And that's something super easy that you can implement at literally any level in the Air Force. You know, if you want to hold it yourself to it, I'm not going to complain about a policy until I submit the form to get it changed. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to encourage my team to not do it. Um, I think that's just a, a simple little way that I, you know, I learned from a master sergeant a while ago uh, that I think we can all carry forward. Yeah, and yeah, it definitely goes back to what we've talked about, Dan, a couple of times just throughout the podcast is that um, it's not written in any book anywhere, but it's just kind of the, the the mentality that rises to the top. We talk about successful innovation. How do you release people to be successful innovation? And it's the theme that we keep on hearing over and over and over, investing into people, empowering them to do whatever it is that they, they want to work on, and then release them, release them to do it. And it's this mindset, those three things over and over. And it sounds really cliche of, oh, the, you know, the three tips to leadership. But honestly, those were like organic things that I started noticing inside of myself. And, and with our spark cell is that if you're willing to invest into people and say, hey, I one, I believe in you. I believe you are, have the solution. I believe you can do it. You can accomplish it and then empower them to do it. Yeah, 100 percent. I'll support you in it. What do you need from me? And let's get it done. And then just let them go and let them get it done. That, that for me, that that's where I've seen all of these changes take place is because those, whether it was intentional or whether it was accidental, those three steps were literally taken. Um, and and it, since then, it's it's enabled me, uh, it, at least in our ventures, uh, and even the things that we've discussed today and previously is that uh, whether you're doing intentional or accidental, like it's a good guiding, li guiding line to be able to follow a good principle, invest in power and release your people to do it. Uh, nowhere in those three does it say micromanage the heck out of them until the very end <laughs> that's not point four <laughs> that's not point four <laughs> i think that's that's a great point like the like i said earlier like the the team i have is like my constant inspiration and you know i see it's my job to do everything i can to empower them uh they've pretty much released themselves like they're yeah. you know they're phenomenal and they're go-getting it and they're, they're just they're making it happen and I mean, as we record this podcast, they are in our spark cell right now, uh, making hand sanitizer for the uh, area medical operate medical evacuation crews that are staging it here out of Charleston. Wow! Like they're just doing it. I didn't give like a task list this morning or anything like that. Like it's, yeah. they know what our base needs. They know that our goal is to be here for airmen and to enable airmen. And they know that this need exists and they're just making it happen. Like it's amazing to see what happens when you follow that. And yeah. I just hope that I can live up to like leading them because uh, yeah. they're setting the bar really high. Yeah. I don't think we, I don't think we touched on it yet, but Palmetto Spark has gotten a good bit of press recently from what I've seen with uh, being on the front page of the, you know, the DOD website. And, and that's just super impressive. The contributions to the COVID-19 relief efforts, uh, and we're seeing that just like tons of spark cells all over the place. And I'm hearing a message in here as well, which I think is really important for people who feel like they are isolated innovators, which is that there are networks that you can tie into. You talked earlier about having those connections to other sparks, being able to draw on their successes and failures 
Um, just the importance of having that community there is, I, I think it can't be overstated. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I just, I got a, off a call earlier today, or it was earlier this morning. Um, there was an organization, uh, that was asking, Hey, how do we do this? And it wasn't like a small organization, onesie, twosie, like it's an entire program office. Um, I mean, it's large and they were, they were asking, Hey, how do we do this? And the one thing that, uh, as we, Tony, uh, Press and I were talking to him about, you know, what does it look like to stand up to spark cell? The, the, the the line that was threaded through there the entire way is it's not about the structure it's about the network every structure is going to look different every structure needs to look different because every base has a different mission every base has a different intention of what it is they need to accomplish and the same structure cookie cutter is not going to work but what does work is being connected to the network of sharing ideas collaborating with intention of what you're doing with the project and who, just like you said man who's gone before you and prepared the way standing on the shoulders of giants and, and and in this whole innovation realm, there's a lot of times people get wrapped up around the the uh, the the structure of it. Oh, it has to look this way, and who does this fall under? Blah blah blah. Man, forget about that. Just get going. Just get moving, and start focusing on the idea and the problem, uh, and what the solution is going to be instead of the the you know the creepy stuff that just sometimes we get so wrapped up in. Because in this innovation, I'd go so far as to say, and Dan, feel free to shoot me down on this, but I would go so far as to say that this defense innovation network environment ecosystem has not been built off of a structure. It has been built off of a, a hope and an idea. No, I think you're absolutely right. Like like anything innovation related, it is an iterative process, right? It's, it is, we see what works and then we keep on building off of that. And when you're talking about human networks, uh, the end result of that is this very multifaceted, very interconnected thing that looks different in yeah. different parts. And yeah. if you look at one part, you can't tell, it doesn't really describe the whole system. This is like the definition of complexity, right? Is yeah. you can't tell what, like just from some component, what the whole system is going to look like. Yeah. Um, and really I'd say point. that the, the defense innovation community is a lot like that because it, what works in one place might not work in another place. So you kind of got to trial and error and, and let it, let it take shape in the way that, that it just produces value. And yeah. if you try something somebody else did and worked great and it's not working, do it different. Like yeah. try something else until you start producing value. Huge. Huge. Hey, as we ha just have a couple minutes to wrap up real quick, just let's go around the horn real quick. Uh, Christian, parting shots, encouragement that you would throw out to the, you know, the airmen literally down at, at the base, at the wing, at the squadron, at the unit, at the flight. Um, what encouragement would you have to them in getting tied into innovation, getting tied into their idea and bringing solutions, simple solutions to everyday problems? Uh, my advice, and it, it sounds a little coy and uh, is, just do it. Like, stop waiting. Stop waiting for an invitation. Uh, my mom used to say, are you, are you like, do you need that uh, an invitation on a silver platter to do it? The answer is no, you yeah. don't. Yeah. Uh, and there's an entire network out there for you to reach out to. And, you know, we are ready and willing to help you do it. Go on the AFWorks website, you know, get in contact with us. We, uh, the AFWorks team's great. Any of the spark cells would love uh, to help people uh, get started in this space. I mean, it is only because of that network. We have been open for two months. Our furniture isn't even here yet. And we were on the front page of the DOD website. And yeah, that is yeah. only because of the people that have gone before. 
and we're willing, we are ready and waiting to help you just like they were for us. Yeah. Awesome. Dan. I, I mean, I've heard a lot of really great stuff here. The first one is the importance of self-advocacy. And, and that's not just something that we should question about ourselves. Like, do I have that, you know, it, it within me to be a self-advocate, but also something that we can empower other people to do as well. Like if you're a supervisor or you are a flight chief or you are a flight commander or a unit commander, you should constantly be asking yourself if your people feel safe and feel like it is within their role to self-advocate. Um, you know, I've done a lot of like facilitated exercises where I got airmen to say stuff that was wrong with the unit that their flight commander had never heard before. And I'm like, well, I think that should tell you something about like the environment that we're facilitating here. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so that's that's big. Guys, as always, it's been real talk right here at Disruptive AF Podcast that you don't want to miss. Thanks again, Christian, for being with us. Uh, it's Man, it's been awesome about talking specifically how airmen can get connected. Dan, again, always bringing the wisdom, always bringing that calm, cool, collected, collected personnel to the conversation. Hey, if you have not done it, don't be a fool. Subscribe now to Disruptive AF right now. If you're watching on YouTube, it's the logo right over there. You can literally hit it. Make sure you hit the bell to be able to get the notifications. If you're on Spotify or Radiohead or all any of these places you get you get the podcast, make sure you subscribe. You don't want to miss the real content that we love bringing you. And as always, we are your innovation's edge, the edge of innovation right here at Disruptive AF Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being with us. See you guys.